Long ago, in a galaxy far, far away, there exists a state of cosmic civil war. A brave alliance of underground freedom fighters has challenged the tyranny and oppression of the awesome Galactic Empire. This is their story. Lucasfilm presents Star Wars, the greatest space fantasy of all. The Comic Book Time Machine presents Marvel's Cosmic Comics, exploring Marvel's licensed sci-fi and fantasy during the Star Wars period. Episode 107, The Ultimate Gamble, Star Wars issue number 19, covered at January 1979. Welcome to the Comic Book Time Machine, and it, this is the Marvel Cosmic Comics series. And what we do here in this series, if you are not familiar with it, is we look at Marvel's science fiction and fantasy licensed comics from 1977 through 1986, which is the Star Wars era. And there's some good stuff, and there's some stinky stuff, and... I have opinions about both. So, <laughs> so here's the way this works. Um, there's the fantasy that we pretend, which is that we are going back in time to the spinner rack where we are buying comic books for 35 cents. Now, we need to make sure that when we are traveling back in time, we only take coins that were from before 1978. We don't want to, you know, accidentally cause any kind of monetary time paradox by accidentally leaving a 2001 quarter. So as we go back and look at the spinner racks, we get to see what is on the shelf that Marvel is publishing that is not one of their superhero lines. Um, now, there are a couple things that are getting left out as we do this. One of those things that is getting left out is Planet of the Apes. Uh, we left that out. We left out Conan um, and Crawl, not Crawl. Call. Crawl, we are doing. Call is we are leaving out. Red Sonya, we are leaving out. We're leaving out some of those because there's just so many of them that to do that in that way lies insanity. We also will not be covering G.I. Joe or Transformers on Marvel's Cosmic Comics, even though they do overlap with this era that we are talking about, but they go way beyond. And so this is taking us from uh, the basic guideline from the first issue of Star Wars through the last issue of Star Wars. Now, we will end in the month of the last issue. With the first issue, we did start out with 2001. And if you haven't listened to those older episodes, um, I, I, I invite you to do so. There's some fun, fun stuff that came uh, with 2001 before uh, Star Wars started. And, and then John Carter, Warlord of Mars, also started one month before the Star Wars comic book started. But... Here we are. We are not. Well, I mean, we're, we're we're a year and a half in or so. I mean, Star Wars issue number 19. We are over a year and a half through. But uh, what we're doing here is we're looking at the comic books that were cover dated January 1979, which for the most part 
were released onto the shelf, onto the spinner rack, in October of 1978. There is one exception to that, which I talked about in the last segment, but here's the exception. Well, now let's start with what we already know. You know, as I look at the spinner rack, as I went back in time in my comic book time machine, uh, here's what I found. I found Star Wars number 19, which will be the first thing we cover in this round of Marvel's Cosmic Comics. I saw John Carter, Warlord of Mars, number 20. There was also Godzilla, number 18, continuing the shrunken Godzilla saga that began in the last issue. There is the Human Fly issue number 17. Now, just be, just to let you know, apparently this was a month that had five Wednesdays. And so there were actually two Godzillas that were released in uh, onto the shelves in October of 1978. But we're only going to look at the one that was cover dated January. The other one is cover dated um, February, and that will be in the next round. Uh, that just makes it easier to index for, for me because that's on the cover of the comic. But... Uh, so that is one extension past October. And then there's a, one other thing that's a little bit weird. Um, there's one thing that's really cool and one thing that's really weird. And the weird thing is that there was a Marvel Super Special released in October, on October 10th. Um, and that is Battlestar Galactica. And it's the official adaptation of the television sensation. And we are not covering that. For this month, we're going to wait because what was in this book was actually printed in comic book form over the course of three issues. So we are going to take a look at it in the Ben's bullpen bulletin to just kind of peek at it and see some of the extra stuff that's in it. But we're not going to take a close look because those are issues that will be indexed as individual issues. So the Marvel Super Special that we're going to talk about for this in this month, it's just going to be a quick mention in the Ben's bullpen bulletin, which is the final. The, the that's when I wrap up coverage for each each month. So there's some weird stuff. The other cool thing that was the weird cool thing is this was on stands last month. So when I took my time machine back in time, blah blah blah, to go back and see what was on the uh, the shelves last month, I saw this, but the cover date was January of 1979. So I waited until this trip back in time micronauts number one so for this round of january 1979 cover dates we are going to be covering star wars number 19 john carter number 20 godzilla number 18 micronauts number one and human fly number 17 and then we will mention and talk a little bit about the marvel super special number eight so that's what you have to look forward to for this month. And honestly, there's some exciting and fun things. Um, all of it sounds exciting and fun. The only one that doesn't sound exciting and fun is Human Fly. We will see. We will see. I'm holding it in my hand right now. And I'm not sure what order I'm going to go in, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to do Human Fly after Star Wars just to get that out of the way. So... Without any further ado, I'm going to play the sounder. We're going to move on and start our coverage with Star Wars issue number 19. Let's talk Star Wars. I love to talk Star Wars. You know, um, they I've said this before, and I'll probably say it again. 
but they they bill this comic book as adventures beyond the greatest space fantasy film of all. It is definitely the greatest space fantasy film of all. Um, and then on the front page, the first page rather, Lucasfilm presents Star Wars, the greatest space fantasy of them all. You know what? I'm taking that too. It is the greatest space fantasy of all time. And there's some parts of it that aren't the greatest, but taking the best parts of it, those best parts definitely, I believe, earn and deserve the title of greatest space fantasy of all. Not every issue of the comic book will be, but every issue of the comic book so far, you know, I don't think there's been any stinkers. Uh, as I look back, there's been some really fun stuff. There's been some crazy, wonky, weird stuff. Um, that behemoth issue with uh, Han Solo and his Magnificent Seven, including the giant rabbit. That was cool stuff. Uh, <laughs> um, Obi-Wan Kenohote or whatever. <laughs> but uh, it's it's good. I, I, I'm enjoying this. And I, I'm loving the fact that I get to read these comics. I'm doing it for the podcast in, in one on one hand. But on the other hand, I'm doing it to have fun and to read stuff that I haven't had a chance to read before. There are some issues of star Wars that I've had a chance to read. There's you know issues of Battlestar Galactica that I read before. Um, I, I did read all of devil dinosaur and the Godzilla series. I've read those before Micronauts. I've read Micronauts, but it's been a long time. I've read ROM, which will be coming up at some point. It's been a long time. So it's enjoyed a re it's enjoying to revisit uh, the old stuff that I like, and it's also just a lot of fun to visit new stuff. And this issue here, new stuff. Now, it's uh, Archie Goodwin is the writer and editor. The uh, artists are Carmine Infantino and Bob Wyasek. Uh, Irv Watanabe is the letterer. A guy named Gaff is the colorist. <laughs> they only list him as as Gaff, as the, as the colorist, but um, his name is Carl Gafford. Uh, and Jim Shooter is the consulting editor. So we begin this issue with the way we left off the previous issue, um, sort of. Actually, <laughs> the, the splash page for this issue uh, is almost the exact same as the cover from last issue. C-3PO holding Luke Skywalker in his golden tin arms as R2-D2 is messing around with some computer stuff. And for this issue, we are, we are coming into it after the team has come to a place called the wheel. That's a space station. They keep calling it a man-made space station as opposed to a naturally occurring space station. Uh, but they, um, they came here because they thought they'd be safe from the empire by coming to this space station where there's, there's an agreement. The empire doesn't mess with what's going on at the space station. Problem is, them just their very presence is giving the empire an excuse to come to the space station. Now the space station is run by a guy named Senator Grayshade and Senator Grayshade is a corrupt Senator. Um, and uh, princess Leia knows of him and does not have a very high opinion of him at all, which apparently he deserves that very, very low opinion. Um, the reason they had to run here is because they came across uh, a wreck, a merchant ship that looked like it had been attacked by the Rebel Alliance. And it was actually their, the Rebel Alliance is being framed because the merchant family that owns that ship is going to um, lash out against the, the Rebel Alliance. It's the Imperials that are doing this. It's just one more way of uh, trying to draw them out and have them taken care of once and for all. The Wheel of Death is also... Um, known for its uh, vices. Uh, it is devoted to pleasure, primarily the pleasure of gambling, which 
in a kid's comic, it, sure, we, we'll run with that and we'll go with that. It probably would be more pleasures than just that if they were, you know, not... If this was today's uh, rated T, which I don't even know why they put ratings on comics anymore when every single comic that Marvel produces is rated T. So there's even a joke about it being rated T uh, in the Man-Thing comic book that recently came out that I don't like that much. But that is a story for another podcast series about swamp monsters, and we'll get into that soon enough. So in this issue, everyone's split up. Everyone's going their different ways. Han Solo and Princess Leia are escaping one way. Chewbacca is going another way. C-3PO and R2-D2 are trying to help Luke, who basically had a um, force feedback shock when he was reaching out with the force, and now he is unconscious and in a coma. That is why C-3PO is carrying him. Um, You know, if you've ever seen that cover of Superman holding Supergirl in his arms, she's dead. Well, that's what you're looking at here, only it's C-3PO instead of Superman and Luke Skywalker instead of Supergirl. So the story itself basically follows all these different groupings of people. Um, R2-D2 helps C-3PO and Luke Skywalker by um, using computer manipulation to cause doors to come down. Uh, There's a really awful scene (laughs) I don't know if it's awful because of, uh, I can't imagine being in the situation or if it's awful because it just logically doesn't make sense. But the stormtroopers are shooting at C-3PO and Luke Skywalker just as R2-2 causes a blast shielding door to come down and the bullets ricochet off the door and the walls and they just shot themselves uh, over and over again. There's tons and tons of blaster impact points all over the place and they're all down. But uh, they finally get Luke to the doctor and then they manipulate the computer to give permission to the doctor to uh, operate on Luke even though he's not registered in the station in the station as a resident of the station at the time and that's pretty much the uh, the droids and uh, Luke oh there is one more element with the droids and that is that they are taken into custody as as property of the space station because they've been used as uh, they've been pawned to give Han Solo money to gamble with. So what happens with uh, Princess Leia and Han Solo, you know, flipping, flashing back to them, is that Shade sees Princess Leia and she wa- he wants Princess Leia. Stormtroopers are coming after Princess Leia and Han Solo, but the space station's security goes and gets them and, and, and pr- basically rescues them from the stormtroopers. But then they separate them. They take uh, Princess Leia to Senator Grayshade, and then they um, take Han Solo and basically say, you know, your cooperation is the only thing that's keeping you alive. And so they allow Han Solo to stay on the ship, or on the space station, rather, as long as he's able to get the money to pay to stay. And so he has to gamble, and that's where he uses the money that he gets from pawning uh, C-3PO and R2-D2. But he keeps losing, (laughs) and so he loses all that money, and then uh, he's pointed in the direction of a poster by a droid that says, hey, uh, you know, you can still gamble even if you don't have any money. It's just for the, the stakes, you use your life. And that is by entering the ultimate gamble, which is high risk, high reward, be a gladiator in the big game. And he reluctantly enrolls in the big game. And Senator Grayshade is shown. This is this is our cliffhanger. Uh, Senator Grayshade is shown and his his robot says, uh, hey, 
what are you going to do about this? And Grayshade says, we're going to make him lose the big game, just like we made him lose all the little games. So it was all rigged against him from square one. Princess Leia, on the other hand, um, Grayshade wants some information and Princess Leia is glad to give it to him as long as it keeps Han Solo safe. Um, because the information is that there's someone who has been stealing money from the, the, the wheel and it's, it's the empire. The empire is causing problems because they want to come in and she explains the whole plan to gray shade that, um, the empire wants to create a situation where they can just come in and take over and instead of just getting taxes, they can get everything. But gray shade instead just makes a deal with the imperial officer. <laughs> Um, that is coming to do this. And so Princess Leia, you know, she reveals this plan to him and he now knows and has that knowledge, but he uses that knowledge to, you know, create a win-win for him and for that Imperial officer that was sent to do this. Finally, we have Chewbacca and Chewbacca. So I'm talking about the story right now and we're going to talk about the art in a moment here, but in this, I mean, Darth Vader is hard to draw that we we've come back to that time, time after time, after time, he's hard to draw, especially when you are you know doing it from memory after seeing the movie, and you don't have all the different things, uh, all the different photo references and that kind of thing. Um, and I get that Carmine Infantino is a stylized artist. He draws some very, very stylized artwork that works. It's angular. Um, it, it works. Until you get into some of the fantasy stuff that isn't supposed to look realistic. So you have a human character and he draws that and it's kind of has a caricature to it. It works because you're familiar with the human character, but his, his Chewbacca. uh, Now his other aliens look great because he made them up and they're just from his pen. They're awesome. But Chewbacca looks like Ralph, the dog from the Muppets. You know, it's Ralph the dog bounty hunter or something like that. And he just doesn't. Oh, my goodness. It just doesn't look right. Now, if this had been the original model for Chewbacca, I actually think it would actually work really, really well because he's big. He's beefy. Um, he has shorter legs. Uh, and so uh, this is one image, though, of him jumping. And he's just got this huge butt, just this giant, giant Wookiee butt. And it just. It doesn't work. It doesn't. He doesn't look like he would move the way that Chewbacca moves in the uh, the movie series. Now I haven't watched much of the Clone Wars to see how Wookiees move in uh, that cartoon series, but in the movie series, Chewbacca has a very specific gait that is not this kind of hulking behemoth gait. I mean, he he swings his arms and stuff, but in this, it's Ralph the dog crossed with Big Bigfoot. And it just makes me laugh every time I see him. It doesn't, it, it takes me out because it makes me laugh. Now, does it look great? Yes. If this was not Chewbacca, but it, oh, it just doesn't work. <laughs> and that's all I'm going to say about that. The Chewbacca subplot has him getting to the, um, to the meeting point that he set up with Princess Leia and Han Solo and the droids. But the problem is he's not registered to be on the space station either. That's a big problem for all of them. And so he goes into this casino and he's instantly accosted by the bouncer or bouncers. 
And there's a nice turn page turn where the bouncers come and say, Hey, you are, you shouldn't be here. And he punches one of them. Who's just a human. And then you turn the page and you've got this creature. And I didn't notice it was the same creature as on the previous page, because on the previous page where they first come to him, that creature is blue and looks a little smaller. So when I turned the page, I didn't, this creature that fights Chewbacca is just giant and green. But I think it's meant to be the same guy based on the teeth. He has these giant fangs. Um, it's a good page turn. It's a really good page turn. I'm not sure how this would have worked with ads. I'm reading this in the Star Wars omnibuses that Dark Horse put out. Um, so I'm not sure where this would land as far as uh, the page turn with the ads and stuff. But it's a it's a good page turn. And then the, there's three panels where they're having a conversation about Chewbacca. And um, in the third panel, it's just Chewbacca's hand is kind of covering up the the bouncer's face and he, and then the final panel is the bouncer just getting thrown out the window, but then security comes blast Chewbacca. He goes down and he wakes up and he's in the gladiator pits. And that is going to lead us to Chewbacca's cliffhanger, which is they are going to be putting him in. Um, he's either going to fight or he's going to end up in the, the spy, the spice, not the spice mines, the spine mines of Kessel. So whatever that means, I wonder if that's another one of those um, those errors. But this is all leading up to the death game. Next issue, death game. So artwork-wise, yeah, like I said, I like Carmine Infantino's artwork. The problem is in the um, the fantasy characters that are established. Uh, I don't mind so much the actors that are established, and even uh, the the stormtroopers look good in his style. R two D two, and and maybe it's because like I lived you know for what almost forty years now with R two D two action figures that actually had the right proportion for the shape of the dome and and that kind of thing. But these issues here with Carmen Infantino, it's just very stylized, and there's there's room for that in in space sci sci fi fiction. It's just uh. It's when it's licensed stuff. Now, later on, you know, modern licensed comics, you get even worse where you'll have them. They hire, because of the, the price of the license, they'll hire cheaper artists. And then the artist can't even use the, the model of the character from the actor because the actor doesn't want them to. But in this situation, um, the human characters all have the right attributes to look like the person that they're meant to be from the movie. It's just Chewbacca. It's just Chewbacca for me. So that's it for star wars issue number 19 next segment is going to be human fly number 17 we're just gonna get that out of the way so uh, my time here with star wars is done and i'm going to say goodbye and i'm going to say godspeed i'm going to say thanks for listening i'm gonna say all that stuff because my family just walked in the door and things are about to get loud in this house because there are a lot of them three of them are teenagers one of them is six it's gonna be loud so thank you for listening uh, if you have any feedback, feedback at comicbooktimemachine.com, facebook.com slash comicbooktimemachine, or comicbooktimemachine.com to leave uh, a comment on our blog post. And as I said, until next time, may the Force be with you, and Godspeed. Thanks for listening to the Comic Book Time Machine's Marvel's Cosmic Comics feed. 
You can find more discussion of many, many more comics like Superman and Spider-Man, What Ifs and Elseworlds, The Six Million Dollar Man and Batman, comics seven days old and seven decades old, on our main feed, which you can find on iTunes or at comicbooktimemachine.com. We'd also love it if you join us on Facebook at facebook.com or on Twitter, where we are at Comic Time. Motorcycle Mayhem, Carnival Carnage, and the Fly's Deadliest Challenge, Murder on the Midway. I'm Ryan Daly, and welcome to... And I'm the Irredeemable Shag. Dude, what are you doing? What? Give me those Star Wars as my show. Well, you're part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, so it's really our show. But if you show up on the promo, people will think you're the co-host. I'm not? No, the show will have rotating guests. You just took that idea from my Justice League International podcast. You took that idea from my Secret Origins podcast. And you took that idea from Dead Both and Spies. That was my podcast. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I sang the theme song with you. So? So, technically, I appear on every episode. I'm part of the foundation of this new Star Wars show. That's... That's true. So, you want to take this from the top, or what? <sighs> I'm Ryan Daly. Join me and a galaxy of guest stars on Give Me Those... <coughs> Including the irredeemable Shag, whose voice you will technically hear on every episode. On Give Me Those Star Wars. The official Star Wars show of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Available on iTunes and Stitcher and at fireandwaterpodcast.com. <laughs>